together one more time for these sons of thunder. God bless them. God bless them. If you will be seated just for a moment before we go to the word of the Lord, I certainly want to honor this great chairman today, Deacon David Moore. God bless him and its convening committee of the West Angeles Men's Ministry who delivered the invitation to me on behalf of their pastor and to the assistant pastor of the Charles Blake II. God bless him today. And First Lady May Blake, God bless you, dear, and the entire First Family. Uh, I want to take a moment before delivering the message to pay homage to one of America's, if not the world's, great leader. Uh, there are few as we have heard already, who can lay claim uh, to as many accomplishments as the man who is seated behind me. And if there are others who can fit the mold, even fewer can have demonstrated the keen ability to sustain success in ministry and pastoral care as much as his exemplified leadership, the Bishop Charles E. Blake. <laughs> Bishop Blake is not just a leader of one of America's foremost religious organizations with millions of followers and with 75 nations, but he is a paradigm of contemporary ministry that wisely threads the tradition of Pentecostal faith, the charismatic insurgency, and contemporary worship. So will you join me this morning and let us applaud God's candlestick, the chief apostle, your extraordinary leader of faith, 50 years, your lead pastor, the Bishop Charles Ebley. Thank you for this opportunity. Will you rest upon your feet? Will you rest upon your feet for the reading of the word today? I'd like you to join me from the scripture text this morning, Judges chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppress you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained to Joaz the Abizarite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Your subject for takeaway today, before you take your seat, just say with me, Awaken, Awaken. 
the greatness within. Just tell your neighbor next to you, God wants to awaken the greatness within. You may be seated. I want to begin this morning by sharing a story of a three-month-old baby boy born in 1954. And the story goes like this, as told by his parents and older siblings. The little baby boy over the years became the product of God's unlimited power, making unlimited accomplishments possible. The little boy's mother held him in her arms as he lost life. He stopped breathing, eyes rolled back and closed, and the baby went limp. The mother told the other children, call your father at work and tell him that we have lost another child. The baby is gone. The father, knowing that he's about 35 to 40 minutes away at work, there were no 911, there was no cell phone, that was during the time of rotary phones, told them to call the pastor and get him on the phone and tell him to pray until I get to the house. Once the pastor was on the phone, he knew that the family needed a miracle and a suddenly and a divine intervention. So the pastor instructed them to put the phone to the baby's ear. And he began to pray, death, the Lord rebuke you. He began to pray that you shall live and not die. As a man of God began to pray through the phone, the baby's eyes opened and his eyes started moving and he looked at everyone and smiled and the father would often say, God gave you that smile. And the mother began to speak with tongues as the Holy Spirit gave her utterance and a mighty praise broke out in the house as the story goes and the father would often say to the mother, I believe you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that day. The little boy grew and grew and discovering things about himself that seemed to work against him. Uh, number one, at that time to be left-handed was taboo, it was distasteful and uh, his left hand would get slapped by a ruler, by his teacher, trying to force him to write right-handed. Secondly, on top of that, the little boy realized that his speech was impaired, and he had a stuttering problem, and he had trouble getting his words out, and even to make a complete sentence at home or at school. And thirdly, he was the frailest, the poorest of the clan, and he was joked on one day and said that if he stood under a clothesline sideways when it was raining, he wouldn't get wet. A little skinny boy would pray. He would pray to gain weight, pray to gain weight. And if that little boy's pillow could talk, the pillow became his closest friend, his confidant and comforter after school in the evenings, at night, rehearsing the dreadful events of the day and if the pillow could talk, it would relate many stories and tears night after night. Well, at 12 years old, the little boy prayed to have the best handwriting ever of a left-handed little boy. And the Lord granted him his request. He prayed to be able to stand before his peers at school and to read a paragraph, to make a complete sentence. And something as simple as answering the telephone and saying hello as the older and younger siblings were able to do. And the Lord granted that request. 
By this time, indicators started showing up in his life of God's unlimiting power that makes unlimited accomplishments possible. Greatness begins to awaken in this little boy, and he becomes a young man, a leader all through school, and was even selected as a commencement speaker for his graduating class in 1972. That once a little boy turned down a full-ride scholarship to Harvard University to help his father in ministry in a little storefront church while others were saying, you're crazy for doing that, but that ministry evolved and is still relevant today, 54 years later. What that now once little boy, now a grown man, gives back to other little kids in elementary school, volunteering weekly to help children that struggle. That once little boy has two foundations that support children and youth. That once little boy has a clothing line called APMG, All People Matter to God. That once little boy that God brought back to life for a purpose who always felt very small and a significant nobody stands in front of you today in this historic place. He has been granted the wonderful privilege of speaking to one of America's great congregations, the West Angeles Church of God in Christ. And it is because of your pastor that that once little boy now a man plucked up by the plowshares of his mentorship, given an opportunity. And it's not just an opportunity alone that I feel a great sense of gratitude. It is also because of your pastor is largely responsible for my elevation in the life of the church. I was consecrated to the office of the Episcopacy because of him, and I was given an opportunity to use my gifts in the main services of the Holy Convocation. I was provided a leadership role in the international men's ministry as dean of education, and it is safe to say uh, that such exposure has opened doors for me. And it would be a dereliction of duty and respect and a matter of manners not to pause and set the record straight because no man is an island and no man stands alone. Like grace is an unmerited favor of God, I want to express publicly how his grace, the presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ, has blessed my life, my ministry, and my public exposure. I felt led to open up with a small portion of my life story because of the text we've chosen to share with you this morning. With the great men, this congregation, your family, and your friends, I want you to get a visual of a man who had similar issues to the man that we're going to talk about this morning. I want you to observe what happens when God awakens greatness within. The application of the terms great and greatness 
is dependent upon the perspective and the subjective judgments of those who apply them. So today we will apply greatness from the perspective of God awakening vision, uh, courage, and commitment by the Spirit of God within a man. The message this morning will introduce us to a man by the name of Gideon. Will you just say Gideon? And when we think of Gideon, we think of him and his 300 men carrying torches and trumpets and into battle against a vastly superior force and emerging victorious. He won a decisive victory over the Midianite army despite a vast numerical disadvantage leading a troop of 300 valiant men. That is the story that we are familiar with, but it will not be our focus this morning. I would like for you to join me in looking at the text from a different angle, and that angle is the process that one seemingly has to walk through on their way to victory. Uh, you can know you have a promise from God, but what are those moments like before the manifestation? moments before the victory. Those moments before the victory are intense. And they could go something like this. Nothing is making sense to me right now. The dots don't connect. And what I see doesn't look anything like what God told me. And let me caution you that you can't go on what you see. You have to go on what he told you. Because the just live by his faith. And what God tells you normally doesn't match up to what you see. I want us to try to understand and see if somewhere in the next few minutes that we have together, if you can identify with Gideon's moments and let us see what those moments were like before that part of his story. Uh, the glorious victory could ever be. Please understand that your life is a sacred journey. And every struggle in your life has shaped you into the person that you are today. Uh, the men just said, I don't look like what I've been through. Uh, be thankful for the hard times because it can only make you stronger. And always remember that every worthwhile accomplishment, whether it is big or whether it is little, has a stage of drudgery and a stage of triumph. Every worthwhile accomplishment has a beginning it has a struggle, and it has a victory. And it may very well be that the struggle you're in today, uh, that it is developing the strength in you that you will need tomorrow. Uh, amazingly, uh, things uh, that people will see your success and applaud you, and they see your victories, and they'll celebrate with you, but will have no idea of the high price you've had to pay to get there. Uh, better yet, the high price you are still paying to sustain where you are. The struggles in life has created in many of us an empathy, an understanding, a compassion, and an identification. And many of you this morning may be able to identify with those who have struggled with fear anxiety, insecurities, and low self-esteem. Am I good enough? Will I ever measure up? Am I qualified to really do this? And for the record, my brothers and my sisters, struggling is not your identity. 
You got to learn to live and thrive while you struggle on your way to overcoming. And while you're overcoming such that anyone who sees you can separate struggle from your life. I'll tell you with the heartfelt conviction this morning that no matter how much it hurts now, someday soon you'll look back and you'll realize your struggles change your life forever. Uh, I, as a man, putting all ego and pride aside, can identify with the struggles of a man like Gideon. The text tells us that this story of how God would do a great, amazing things through Gideon's life. So when we first meet Gideon, he is a timid farmer, and he sees to be anything but hero material. But God saw far beyond all of that. And it is certainly true in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, which says to me that heroes aren't just born, they're molded and they're shaped. So what you find about God is that he often uses the most unlikely of materials as he shapes the lives of boys and girls and men and women who will emerge sooner or later as heroes of the faith. So today in our scripture passage, we see the molding of one such unlikely hero. In Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 11, you'll see what happens when men of God come face to face with God. When men come face to face with God, something changes in them and something changes with them. And as a young boy or a man lives his life, he'll eventually recognize that there is a spiritual deep hunger in his heart that can only be satisfied by the presence of God himself. And if you're here this morning and you're listening to me and you're a man or woman or boy or girl and you've been sensing this feeling of void or something is missing in your life, then you're not here by accident and you're not here by happen chance. You have been strategically placed this morning for a God encounter in his presence. Where loving God anxiously awaits you this morning to fill every void to feel the emptiness and the loneliness that you've held on for so long. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. That the story of all scripture begins and ends with the presence of God. Somebody shout the presence of God. When you come into the presence of God, it radically changes our lives and the lives of others. Ladies, I've not forgotten about you this morning, but our focus this morning and all day will be on the men. However, I want you to listen very closely because deep in the heart of the men in your life, be it your fathers, your husbands, your sons, your brothers, your nephews, your male friends, whatever it might be, deep in the hearts of these men lies the desire to be a hero, not just to you. You, but a man who is great in God's sight because we as humans have this deep-seated need for connection regardless of our age our gender or our background yes ladies men need that just as much as women we need to feel heard understood and appreciated and that feeling comes in large part of validation Validation, validation is the power to calm fears, to calm concerns and add a boost to joy, add a boost to excitement. Validation helps avoid and quickly resolve arguments. Validation makes people much more open to our advice. In other words, validation is awesome. 
And that's exactly what God did for Gideon. He validated him as a mighty man of valor. God calmed his fears, gave him a boost, gave him advice, and sent him out to do an impossible mission. And as we open Judges chapter 6, we find the nation of Israel, they're coming off a great time of, uh, of reality. Their bills are paid, their kids are behaving, and their business is good. And everything coming up for Israel is roses. It's all so beautiful for Israel, but something happens. And it is what we have tendency to do in good times of our lives. If we aren't careful, Israel forgot God. They became self-sufficient. They didn't need God because they had it all. So the Lord shook things up. The funny thing about God is God has a way of doing some shakeups when he really has something he wants to say to us. When you're really not hearing him, God will allow shakeups to come not to kill you but to get your attention before the enemy kills you. God sent a shakeup to Israel. Is there anybody here that knows anything about shakeups? When God sends a shakeup to your life, and what he did, he rouses an enemy against them to show them how hard life can be without him. That was a song we used to sing in the church growing up. Without God, I can do nothing. Without God, I would fail. My life would be drifting like a ship without a sail. It's kind of hard to live a life without God. And when we understand something that, that, that we can never be defeated as children of God. Matter of fact, encourage your neighbor, another brother and a sister, and look at them and put a smile on your face. Say, you can never be defeated. You can never be defeated because Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our God is amazing. And the amazing thing about God and enemies, God and enemies, help me say God and enemies, is God will use an enemy to provoke his children back to the place he intended them to be in his plan and when the enemy thinks he's got the advantage and think he's about to destroy you God steps in, destroys the enemy and gives the child of God the victory, you can never be defeated, put a smile on your face for the rest of your life, you can never be defeated at your worst day, you have victory God is amazing. God in return will destroy the enemy. The good news today is the enemy will never <laughs> have the last word over you. Preach with me. Tell your neighbor he'll never have the last word. Never, never have the last word over you. He will never get the last laugh. He might be laughing thinking he's holding your son and your daughter. He might be laughing thinking he's attacking. Let him laugh right now because that will soon come to an end. He will not have the last laugh over your marriage, over your children over your finances over your dreams over your visions and not even over your ministry what you have submitted to God and what God has sanctioned always know that Jehovah has the final say in verse 1 uh, it says that the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to Midian for seven years. You need to know that the Midianites were extremely powerful. They oppressed the Israelites mercilessly. 
Every year around harvest time, this nomadic Midianites would invade Israel. Verse 5 tells us that they would come in like locusts, ravaging the land. What they can carry with them, they destroyed. In verse 11, the Bible reports that it was so bad that many of the Israelites hid themselves in caves, left their homes in strongholds, fearing for their lives, and that went on for seven years. Finally, the Israelites cry out to the Lord for help. Somebody shout, finally. Now, you might be asking, Bishop Vaughn, why did they wait so long to call on the Lord? Well, that's because they're a lot like us. They waited until every possible option played out, and they couldn't take it any longer. How many times have we thought, I can handle this on my own? How many times have we said, I got this? We can learn from Gideon's moments before his victory that your greatness is a process. Help me say greatness is a process. And that process contains within it experiences that may be good, they may be bad, they may be ugly, and sometimes they're messy. Always know that you're not what happened to you and you are what you choose to become. However, you'll find that the process, that every experience in life is a test. A man's knowledge can never outweigh his experience. In this room, you have tons and years of experience of men. You have knowledge. You have wisdom. And I tell people all the time when it comes to life, particularly younger people trying to get it together and what you've had to walk through on your way to victory, I appreciate Deacon saying the need to mentor the younger generation and share the wisdom them because there are some things that you just have to learn the lessons forget the details and keep it moving because some things will depress you some things will make you would have spent 30 years behind bars somewhere so you got to learn the lesson tell your neighbor learn your lesson forget the details come on shop with me keep it moving because every trial in the life of God's people is tailored to draw you closer to God. And yet what we see here, that God always sees more than we do. He is never without a plan, and his plan for Israel includes a most unlikely man by the name of Gideon. Well, the text said when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever said that? God, I'm saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I had in mind. And then Gideon begins to say, where are all his wonders? Where is our fathers who told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. If you have lived long enough for a while, you already know that people will often see your triumphs and have no idea of the pains that brought you there. People will witness your victories, celebrate your parties, celebrate, but they have no clue of the challenges you had to face to win that victory. 
Gideon before a victory has to live out moments and if you think that you are going to get victory just because you went with Burger King and McDonald's for three days let me wake you up victory does not come like that victory comes and the process has to do with crushing it has to do with breaking it has to do with humiliation it has to do with embarrassment it has to do with your anointing attracting attack if you are anointed your anointing will attract attack don't take it personally it's about your anointing somebody say hallelujah Gideon has to live out these moments and so it is with victory victory is wonderful oh yes I got the victory hallelujah that's wonderful oh everybody wants it but there is a process that one must walk through on your way there. And that process is greatness awakening within you. The man Gideon you're seeing right now bears little resemblance to the hero that he is one day going to become. May I tell you that the way you look right now, after your process is finished, all I can say is they better look out. You better put a smile on your face. You better look out. You better look out for your husband. You better look out for your son. Because the man you see today, by the time God finishes processing some things inside that brother, you better look out with the amazing product that God is going to deliver. Clap your hands for every man, for every son, for every father that is going through the process. Women, shout at the men. Say, stay in the process. I suggest to you, as I bring this to a close, you might be surprised who you're sitting next to. You may not know as much about them as you think you know. And it could very well be that there are some inner transformations. Touch yourself. Say inner transformations that, that have been taking place over time that something amazing is about to happen with them and in them and for them through God's unlimited power. God is about to make what was impossible a few days ago possible in their life. And what's so awesome about our God is that greatness is a transformational process. Touch yourself. Say greatness awaken. Greatness awaken. It's a transformational process that takes one or more inputs and transforming adds value to them. Transformational process. Yes, yes. It's that shift that takes place in your mindset a transformational process is a shift that takes place in your emotions what made you cry yesterday you'll laugh at today because of a transformational process a transformational process happens in your will you used to resist but now you're praying the hardest prayer that you can ever pray not my will but thy will be done that's transformational when you can pray not my will that is the hardest prayer you will ever pray in your life not my will but your will be done somebody shout shit that's your process no one else may not see it no one else may not know it and that's okay but you know it because you feel it you know it 
because you knew when it shifted on the inside of you. Little does Gideon know that something is about to shift in him. He's about to be transformed into greatness that has been lying dormant in him. It's about to awaken and as it shifts in him like it is shifting in many of you this morning, you feel this breakthrough in your seat. You feel it standing. You feel it in your soul. You feel your emotions being free. You feel chains coming off. You feel that oppression that tried to come upon you this week. It is coming off of you even now. Like Gideon, you are about to get a drive. Help me say a drive. The enemy knows you're not going back to the world. He knows you're not going to leave the church, but he will take your drive as a man. He'll take your drive as a child of God. But I thank God for the anointing that is given a drive to every man today. And you can do this in your lifetime. Every brother shout, I can do this in my lifetime. Clap your hand like the devil's between it and give God a praise in here. I'm closing. I know nothing that would indicate the fact that God would one day use Gideon to set his people free. Instead, what I see is a farmer, a farmer threshing his wheat and doing it in secret because he lives in fear of being discovered by his nation's enemies. And yet this is the clay with which God will use. Anything you fear is teaching you courage to overcome your fear. Anything you can't control is for teaching you how to let go and trust God. So this fear has gripped Gideon for a long time, but Gideon now has a God encounter and it changes everything about his life. Every man must have a God encounter. Every woman must have a God encounter. Is there a Gideon somewhere in the balcony, somewhere in this cathedral this morning, that fear of whatever has gripped rip you for a long time. I come with good news today all the way from a little place called Kansas to tell you this is your day of awakening. Wherever you are in this cathedral, it is your day of awakening. Somebody celebrate someone's greatness. Awakening in this house. I want to warn you, fear will keep you focused on the past, worried about the future. Fear limits you and limits your vision. But my brothers and my sisters, when the angel said to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, mighty warrior. Gideon didn't see himself as a mighty warrior. He says, by his own admission, I have little to offer. I want to ask every Gideon, who told you you had little to offer? I know that it's been said over and over that women are emotional. However, many studies have shown that men can be just as emotional as women. We just hide our feelings and alter the presentation. Gideon in the text is dealing with low self-esteem. And he says, his clan is the weakest. His clan amongst his family is the least of the least. And when a man is dealing with low self-esteem, he'll make mistakes, big ones, mistakes that lead to shame and guilt, and then runaway begins and the cycle continues because a man's self-esteem, low self-esteem, can manifest in different ways. Every man will act out in his own way. Some pull back, others hide, some flee, some seek experiences, others party, some rage, try to prove themselves at work, at home, and sometimes in the church. It's troublesome so for both the man suffering and the individuals that love him. So the battle did not just start at Gideon as a grown 
grown man, it could have started as a little boy. So here's the reality in our clothes. Reality sets in. He lives among oppressed people. The dreams of childhood have faded. And he doubts the very God that he's been taught about that he would sustain them and love them. God has already mapped out his victory. All he needs is Gideon to go along with the plan. May I say to you, my brothers and sisters, that God believed in Gideon when Gideon didn't believe in himself. And God believes in you. Stand to your feet. The Gideon story. If you're one that says, you know, they told me I couldn't do it. Told me I wouldn't amount to anything. Told me I was wasting my time. And bit by bit, I bought into the lie. If that is the case, this Gideon story is for you. I don't know what your childhood was like. I don't know what your bringing up was like. But I tell you what, God believes in you. And God wants to awaken greatness in men and women this morning. And the first step to that greatness awakening is to give your life to the Lord, to receive salvation. And my brothers and sisters, all over this house, the house of the Lord is open today. And the arms of the Lord are open for anyone that does not know Jesus. If you're a backslider and, and you want to just make a U-turn, that's all you have to do. If you're that sinner, you just have to come and receive the love of Jesus. That's the first step. And the rest, he works with you. But brothers and sisters, wherever you are, if there's one, the altar workers, whoever is coming to the altar, will you make that step wherever you are? And, and if it's intimidating for you to come, ask the person next to you, will you walk with me? I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to turn around and make that U-turn. I'm a backslider, and I want to come home today. If you're here today, come. Come, and we will pray with you, and we will pray for you. Give your life to the Lord. And many times there are those that won't come, but in their seats they say, you know, I really want it, but I don't want to walk down to the altar. Let me pray that prayer. And you can open your mouth and in your heart say that. Dear God, I want to be a part of your family. You said in your word that if I acknowledge that you raised Jesus from the dead and that I accept him as my Lord and Savior, I would be saved. So God, I now say that I believe you raised Jesus from the dead and that he is alive and well. So on this day, this men's day in West Angeles, I accept him now as my personal Lord and Savior. I accept my salvation from sin right now. I am now saved. Jesus is my Lord. He is my Savior. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving me and saving me and giving me eternal life with you. And today I say amen, so be it, it is so. Come on, West Angeles, let's clap our hands and praise the name of Jesus. Come on, saints, clap your hands and give praise to the Lord.